Joining me now, who does a great job covering the Knicks and the Nets and the NBA Fast and Why, Ian Bagley. Ian, Alvin in New York, how are you? Alvin, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, brother. I don't know if you heard Nick fans panicking to start the show, but uh, they're really, uh, really worried. I've been hearing it for a few days. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, everybody's jumping in traffic on 34th Street right now when it comes to the Knicks. <laughs> so um, the level of concern right now within the organization when it comes to what's going uh, the current roster at this moment. Yeah, I think that they. I mean, I, I don't want. I can't speak for everybody over there, but I do think that there is a, a level of. Uh, I don't want to say confidence, but just the uh, a realistic idea that both OG Ananobi and Julius Randle are, are going to be back, and they'll be back in time to get a few games in uh, before the postseason. And so, I think that's kind of. Uh, the general thought, and obviously between now and then, you have to continue to win games because the standings are so tight. So that's the trick. How do you get through this stretch uh, before you get a healthy Ananobi and before you get a healthy Randall uh, and you win some games so you stay where you want to be in the standings? Because obviously you would want to finish top three to avoid Boston in the second round. Yeah, I mean, is there any t- time frame right now? If I know OG was clear to shoot, is there – but before April, can we expect OG back or it's touch and go? Yeah, I would expect before April. I would definitely expect before April. I, I heard uh, last week that mid-March was like seen as realistic if everything had continued to go well with his rehab. So, I, yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't back by the end of the month. Uh, Randall, I mean, Randall, I think is further ahead in the progression than OG is because he's been shooting. He's been doing everything uh, except for taking contact. So I guess it's just a matter of doctors clearing him and then he'd be back on the floor too. I would assume he as well would be back before the end of this month. Yeah. This team desperately needs both of them back. I mean, maybe now fans will appreciate Julius Randle more than they did before the injury. Come on, man. In New York, you know what talent we're in. No, maybe I, I, for one game, maybe for two games. No, maybe the first we, quarter. The yeah, first. maybe a quarter. You're right. Maybe a quarter. The first quarter, he misses two free throws, and then here come the Boo Birds again. Uh, of course. Yeah, what about Mitchell Robinson? Any news on Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, nothing new other than he has been doing uh, – he's out of his boot first and foremost on that broken foot and he's been doing working out but nothing no contact no running yet so he's still a ways away and you know maybe you get him back in april before the end of the regular season but given where he is uh, i think conditioning is going to be a question mark if he does come back you know remember a couple summers ago he had that broken foot and he was rehabbing all summer but he couldn't run so he put on a lot of muscle and then it took him a few weeks of playing in the season to get back into basketball shape. So, yeah, I think conditioning, you know, if he comes back, conditioning is going to be something to keep an eye on. The level of concern with Isaiah Hartenstein, you know, with his Achilles, he, he does, does not look like himself right now. Yeah, you know what? I, I wanted to understand a little bit more about the, the process that they've been talking about in terms of ramping Isaiah up. So I was asking him about it after the Golden State game. And, you know, he said that, there's a plan in place for him to progress towards um, being able to play, you know, 30 plus minutes a night in the playoffs without issue, without the Achilles kind of hampering him and having to sit, you know, in the postseason. So that there's a plan in place. They've been following that plan 
which included him sitting out the second night of the back-to-back earlier this week. As far as how he looks, he's talked about, you know, having to get into rhythm, which I think is understandable given the time that he's missed and what he's dealing with. So uh, I think just wait and see on that. Let's see how he's looking at the end of the month before we kind of make any hard and fast judgments about what he can and can't do. But that medical staff and training staff does have a plan in place for him to be ready to go, no restrictions uh, in the postseason. And Jalen Brunson, I know that a fancy name for neck spasms. How's he doing right now? Yeah, I had to look that one up, man. I didn't, you, weren't, uh, you weren't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I was thrown off by that. Um, yeah, you know, he doesn't talk about injuries, man. He's like, reminds me of Derek Jeter, who I got to cover a very little bit uh, towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Whenever you'd ask him if he was hurt, he would either say next question or I'm good enough to play, and that's it. He didn't want to give you any details on the injury, how he was doing, uh, you know, if he was in pain. He didn't want to talk about it. And I get the same sense from Brunson because he just says politely, you know, next question when he's asked about how he's feeling, you know, what what the pain level is, this and that. He didn't want to talk about it. So we don't really know. uh, But just based on how he looked against Golden State, he didn't seem to be limited Mm -hmm. to me. And he took a couple hard falls and, you know, I don't know. He seemed all right. But we'll see how he looks Sunday. And uh, just the idea that, Defense has been paying so much attention to him now yeah. with Randall and Ananobi out. And Dante DiVincenzo had been taking advantage of that, um, but he had a, a tough night shooting against Golden State. So I think that's their formula to get through this phase here is to have have the supporting cast hit threes, DiVincenzo and everybody else, and keep Brunson healthy and, and try to have Hartenstein out there as much as you can and try to scratch through this, two-week stretch, whatever it might be, until you get one of these guys back. Now, I know you mentioned you compared uh, Derek G to Jalen Brunson, the kind of attitude when it comes to injuries. I compared him, because I'm a Met fan, to Francisco Lindor. Played with a broken finger all of uh, the year before, and then he had the, uh, the, the elbow issue. He didn't say anything about it. Played 161 mm-hmm. games. So mm-hmm. those are two guys that I'm happy are leading my organizations that I root for. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, he, he, Brunson just, just being around them the last year and change just seems to be about winning. Just doesn't really care mm-hmm. about other stuff. Like, you know, I know fans like to talk about you're going to bring in a star and, and what does that mean? And oh, he's a star team. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I did. I agree with that. Yeah. But like the dynamic of bringing somebody else, he doesn't care. Like if it's quote unquote, his team or he's one a and somebody else one B or he's one B he doesn't care. Uh, he just wants to win. So no I think, ego. Yeah. From that perspective, that's that's great when you have a leader who's bought into your coaching staff and who is about the right things. Now, being around this team as much as you are, has the confidence level on this team been shaken or are they still feeling the same way like they were in January? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think they're feeling that we, we're going to get our guys back and we're excited to get our guys back. And I, OG Ananobi, uh, he talked to the media once, and he said that, look, yeah, I want to get back. We want to get back. We want to get on another run here, uh, referencing what they did in January. So I think there's a confidence based on those results that when everybody's healthy, this team is is uh, to be reckoned with. And so the idea that they think these guys will be back uh, mid-March, you know, three weeks into March, whatever it might be, and then you'll have some time to play together before the postseason – 
I do think the confidence is still there. Now, let's say the season ends up in a disaster. Just yep. they completely fall out of it. Is there any way Tom Thibodeau is not coaching his team next season? I mean, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't go well in the playoffs and, you know, you start playing the blame game and, uh, you know, maybe uh, James Dolan is upset and wants answers. I don't, yeah, there, there are definitely scenarios where that could happen, right? I mean, Thibodeau has done a fantastic job, in my opinion, coaching this team. Uh, he's been the best Nick coach. Uh, Mike Woodson, put, put Woody right there with him, but Tom Thibodeau's done it for longer than, mm-hmm. than Woody did. And so he's been the best Nick coach since Van Gundy. And he's dealt with a lot. He's continued to win. He, he has helped build a really, really, really solid, I don't even want to call it foundation. They built two or three floors already, and they built <laughs> something solid to build <laughs> off of. And like Thibodeau's been a big part of that. Yeah. But you know how it is in pro sports. NBA, like nobody's really safe, and so I think if it's if it goes poorly in the playoffs, you need to to point the finger in somebody. Somebody has to take the hit. It's always easiest to fire the head coach, especially Thibodeau being uh, going into the final year of his deal mm-hmm. next year. I don't think it would be the right move, but I, I'm certainly not naive enough to say it's not possible. Yeah, the same way if Rob Sala got a pass in his town for the injuries, uh, Tibbs should get. A pass, and he's had way more success than that jabroni who coaches the Jets. That comes to the offseason. Uh, give me the top three priorities for this team, if you know. Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what happens in the postseason, right? Because that's where you really can analyze what you're missing, what you need. And so I think until we get to that point, it's hard to say. The, the obvious one that we've been talking about for three, four years now is – you know, trading for at that top, top player. And so I think that's on the table this offseason. A lot of the things that they had done recently, including trading for Bojan Bogdanovic, who is under contract for next season, it was done with the idea of just being ready to put together a strong package for a player if that player were to come available uh, on the trade market. So I think that's, that's there. And then, you know, you look at Hartenstein, free agent, uh, they've wanted to bring him back all along. I don't think anything has changed there. So that's, I think that's a priority, getting Isaiah Hartenstein back here. And then, you know, you're going to see how things play out in the playoffs. You're going to see who excels, who plays below expectations. And I think you go from there when you talk about that next priority. Am I wrong in being frustrated that I've seen Alec Burks, who's been bad, getting more minutes over Miles McBride, who's been a huge spark plug since he's been getting more minutes. Yeah, McBride was really good in that Golden State game. Um, and I the Boston game. A... In the second quarter yeah. versus Boston, he helped bring him back, and then he didn't get back in the game until five minutes left in the fourth. Yeah, there's, yeah, no doubt. He, he has impacted things in a positive way recently. I wonder if there's a world where you have McBride in and you don't take minutes away from Burks. I don't know if there is. But the thing with Burks is, you know, they need a scoring threat. And so Thibodeau brought this up the other night, and people may disagree with it, and I get it, but just having him out there as a threat of a secondary ball handler, it spreads the floor. And and I think Miles McBride, the threat of a shooter, he also spreads the floor. So I don't see a world where Burks' minutes get cut drastically. They brought him in here for a reason. They're mm-hmm. going to need him to score the basketball um, in, in tight games down the stretch and in the postseason. So I think 
you ride it out with him uh, and you believe that he's going to eventually, you know, revert to the back of his basketball card, so to speak, and, and start shooting it better. Same thing with Boyan Bogdanovich. But I do see where people question the McBride minutes because recently he really has had a positive impact on the game. Yeah, the Boston game, it was fr- it was so frustrating. They were getting their asses handed to them. And the second quarter he comes in, they end up what, down 4-5 or five at the half. And then he doesn't see the floor until five minutes left. They're down 15. The game's over in the fourth. It's just... Yeah, especially I- that Boston team that is so big, yes. so much size. And you need, you know, strong defenders, too. Now, before Probably I... Can- match up there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Before I get to the no, Nets, because okay. I know the seven Net fans out there want me to ask some questions. Um, if the Knicks were ever to win a championship, ever... Am I wrong in assuming the city would have to shut down for like a month? I mean, I mean that that parade would be crazy. Uh, that night, I think particularly would be crazy. <laughs> I would, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably get on the first LIR train out of the city that night. <laughs> you might have to sleep home. in the garden. You might have to sleep I'm there. A, I'm gonna just board up my doors, man. Just make sure my family's <laughs> safe. Cause yeah, the town would be crazy. Yeah, sure. it would be insane. And now I, to get to the Nets. Um, do you have any idea what direction this organization is going in? Because it seems like they have no plan. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's a fair question. I think what's obvious is they're committed to building with, around, however you want to phrase it, uh, Mikhail Bridges. Because they've had opportunities here to trade Bridges for packages that included at least four first-round picks. I don't know the quality of, of each of those picks that was offered, but that's a big trade package, right? And they've turned those offers down. Mm-hmm. And so that tells you how highly they value Bridges. And so I think it starts there with whatever this becomes. And I don't think it becomes a full-on rebuild because if you look at where Sean Marks is in, in his process, you know, he already rebuilt the Nets to a place where they were really competitive. They got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. That did not work out for a million different reasons. <laughs> and, and now, you know, Marks made the trades. So some, some, in, in some way, shape, or form, you have to be able to point to those trades that you made and say, hey, we have X here, and this is what's going to you know, carry us through. And he has that in Mikhail Bridges. So, but, so that's why I don't see like a full rebuild coming under Sean Marks. I think they're going to try to continue a pace here, build with Bridges, and, and maybe who knows, you know, Donovan Mitchell, depending on what happens there, I'm sure they would be in the mix trying to get him from Cleveland or as a free agent. But, yeah, I think that's – kind of where they are and i do think that adding a big name is still on their radar because i had heard that one of the uh talking points so to speak about jacques vaughn and like the concerns there was like hey is is what's happening here going to turn off uh potential you know top players from wanting to be here i don't know if that was a factor in vaughn's firing but i know that that was kind of something that was talked about internally and so that tells you that yes getting a, a, a big name, getting stars still on the Nets' radar. Is there any way they can get Ben Simmons off this roster? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I think that they I, – well, I should say this. A couple – I think it was a couple trade deadlines ago, there was one East team that had, like, you know, what talked like – I, I should say talked not just casually about uh, trading for Simmons. And now, you know, he's going to be – an expiring contract next year. So there, I, I guess there, there's a world where you make a trade um, in the off season and, you know, a team either wants to, to try out with Ben Simmons or has the expiring deal there. And they like that idea. Um, 
yeah, th- that's one of the things that I think has really hurt the Nets, obviously, and I think it's hurt Sean Marks because he was the guy that came back in the Harden deal. And, you know, nothing, really nothing has come from that uh, of note. So, you know, I, me personally, I I I don't think there's, that there's anything fake about the injuries, the, the back stuff that he's dealt with that's kept him off the floor. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I feel bad for for him, but I also understand fans' frustrations. They want to see him play. Um, they they want to see him on the floor consistently, and it just hasn't happened. I'll tell you why fans are frustrated because I have a, you know two of my friends and net fans. It's my man posts these videos, Ben Simmons' revenge tour uh, during the off season, and he's done nothing. Yeah, yep, yeah, he, yeah. He created those expectations for himself, mm-hmm. and the Nets also had expectations for Simmons because they, you know, they kind of built around or planned around the idea that he was their lead guard, that he was going to be out there um, pushing the pace regularly, uh, getting guys out in transition, getting easy baskets. So they kind of planned on that. And the, I don't know, plan B wasn't strong, obviously, but there wasn't much of a plan B because mm-hmm. he got hurt and it hasn't been good. So I think the Nets probably share the fans' frustration because they also thought that Simmons coming into the year was going to be healthy and effective. Yeah, so they fell for the videos as well. I got a couple more, and then it's different for me. So Sean Mark's job, is is he safe? To me, it depends on what happens uh, with Kevin Ollie and the group the rest of this year. I know it's been mixed results at, at best so far with Ollie. Um, but I, I think that you could, if you're Marks and they play well under Ollie, you could point to the potential of this roster. Um, I, based on how close he is with, owner Josiah or governor Josiah. I don't, I mean, talk to people around the league and it's one of those topics where people who, you know, have a good idea of what's happening say, no, he's safe and he's definitely safe. But then some other people who have a good insight in the organization say, you know, how can he possibly be around to hire another coach? If it's not Kevin Ollie. Mm-hmm. So you got to wait and see on that one. I don't have a clear read on it, uh, but I have to think that if, if they go into a tailspin, and it doesn't work under Ali at all. I mean, what what's your argument there to, to to be the guy to name the next head coach? I'm not sure what it would be. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one. I mean, Sean Marks, how does he get another opportunity uh, to rebuild the, the team again when he's he's obviously failed? I know he tried with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Harden, but then you end up with Ben Simmons at the end of all that. That's why Net fans are so frustrated. Nick Claxton, is he a part of the future plans or he's just good as gone? Yeah, I mean, look, going into the trade deadline, the word was they definitely wanted to re-sign him. They did not want to trade him. I think it's a matter of, of you know, getting to a, a number and a number of years that works for both sides. But there's big motivation on the net side, at least going into the trade deadline, to bring Claxton back on a deal. And I don't, I, I don't know why that would change. But I would say this with Sean Marks, like, all everything you said is a hundred percent true, and I don't see a world where an executive, you know, gets to hire. I think four is it would be four head coaches, but he could say like, "Look, we have these picks, and I've hit on the draft regularly. So, you know, let me let me just see this thing through." I could see that being uh, a part of like a, a pitch or whatever to to stay there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, if there's movement there or if there isn't. But, you know, one thing is clear, it is uh, Mikhail Bridges, and, and that's the guy for the future that's going to be around for the next. 
See, I don't see Bridges as that that dude, like the number one. No, I don't think yeah. so. Like he, they put him in a bad spot, I think, and like maybe it helps him over the course of his career playing as a number one for a while, but maybe it hurts him. But I think what what is uh, what's inarguable is like he's a, a great third option, third whatever you want to call 100%, it. Hundred percent. Yep. But a great, great third option but not a guy who can carry an offense and that's okay. And, but that's kind of been borne out through this season and this stretch where the ball has been in his hands. Mm-hmm. And last one for me, um, if Kevin Ali, um, Kevin Ali, I should say, if he um, fails, you know, the team doesn't respond, they don't do well. Is Jay Wright a legit option for the Nets? If Jay wants to be, I mean, I think it's just about Jay's desire the coach in the NBA. I mean, he's always been sought after by the Sixers when they've had coaching changes and, and other organizations. And to my knowledge, he always kind of declined to go far down the road with an NBA team because he liked where he was. Does that change now? I don't know. But I, I think if it does, he certainly becomes an attraction because if I'm the Nets, I need to hire a coach that creates, a, a, obviously a very skilled coach, a very good coach, but also a coach where you're going to create some buzz yep. because what's the what's the buzz right now? There's not much there. So uh, somebody, I think my buddy Frank, I saw through Jeff Van Gundy, that would certainly create some buzz. But yeah, like a skilled coach who has a name, I think would make some sense. So the thing with Jay, I think if he is going to get back in the game, I think besides Philadelphia, he wait to see what happens with Tibbs. Am I wrong in assuming that or? I think I don't even want to go there because that's assuming <laughs> Jay like wants to coach in the NBA, which I don't know. And then we're assuming that Tom Thibodeau's fired. Yeah, true. I don't want to go like three steps ahead. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but logic tells you that yeah, that if he wanted to be in the NBA and a Nick job was available, he would be interested in a Nick job. But we're so far from that at this point that uh, yeah, I don't think it's even worth going down that road. Yeah, 100%. I didn't mean to put you in a bad spot with that one. No, no, no. All good. All good. With that all one, good. I wanted to let you know, my guys for the morning brew crew are dying to get you on. So yes. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I have to. Uh, I got to. Uh, they tweeted me. Yeah. And I, I've just been so busy, man. All uh, good. Kids and all that. But, yes, I am 100% want to do the show. For sure. All right, cool. Thanks, Ian. We got to do it again, brother. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks, Alvin. You too. Take care.